0: Hey, welcome to Fred Talk, inspiration and truth from a friend. In our podcast, we teach principles of success. Our goal is to inspire leaders to unlock their full potential, live out their strengths, and achieve their God-given purpose in life. Today, I want to talk to you about the protection principle. Developing a heart of obedience. You know, all of us, when we go through life, There's things that happen to us that can cause our heart to get derailed uh, or discouraged or give up or kind of go south in relationships or get discouraged about some things or want to give up and and just be at a place where our heart is not healthy. And I want to give you some advice of how to develop a heart that helps you be successful in everything that you do. And it's all about developing a heart of obedience, and it protects your heart. Um, There's a wise saying in the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. It's Proverbs 4.23 that says, Above all else, guard your heart, because everything you do flows from it. You know, your heart determines the course of your life and your actions. If you're angry, you hurt people. If you're jealous, you put people down. If you're insecure, you look for pity and complain and blame. If you're negative, you will see the worst in people and situations and you will create a self fulfilling prophecy. You will be fearful and will shrink back. But if you are joyful, you will forgive and bless people. If you are confident, you will lift others up. If you're positive, you will see the best in others and opportunities will come if you're faith oriented you'll step out and risk failure constantly and you'll trust god and people if you're loving you'll speak the truth with others and you'll also create a self fulfilling prophecy that's positive so i just want to i want to look at that wise saying in proverbs and i want to just Talk about the three instructions that this verse gives. And I want you to notice that the first two are not suggestions. They're actually commands. Basically, do this or else (laughs) the results that you don't want are going to happen. So let's look at the first command that's given above all else. What does that statement mean? Above all else, nothing. Is more important than taking care of your heart no one else is responsible for it you have to keep your passion hot you have to stay sensitive you have to stay loving you have to be the one to take care of your heart it's your job more important than your success than pleasing others more important than your work more important than your relationships above all else. Guard your heart. No matter what, take care of your heart. Don't blame anyone else for how you're feeling or your situation or your lack. Above all else. But I'm so busy. Above all else. But my boss, above all else. But my job, above all else. But my family, above all else. See, if you put anything Above taking care of your heart, you can't live out who God made you to be. You can't honor God with your life. Your heart won't be at a healthy place. You have to protect your heart above all else. If you don't, you'll end up being low. You won't know what's draining you to be able to avoid it. You won't be aware of the ramifications of today's choices. You won't remain vulnerable because you'll close up. You won't know how to refill unless, above all else, you got your heart. Back in 1999, I planted a church in Fishers, Indiana called Northeast, and I felt led to reach the whole Northeast side of Christ, of Indy for Christ. And we planted the church, and we had a lot of success for a decade, reached hundreds of people for Christ. And, you know, there were hard seasons. along the way but then after we celebrated our 10-year i had a really rough patch for a couple of years that i went through the church plateaued stopped growing and and i was struggling and i felt kind of stuck in my role as a pastor and that really wasn't my gifting i'm really a change agent i'm an entrepreneur i start things i build things I like to reach new people. I'm really not the pastor type. I'm really more the challenge you type. (laughs) Um, And so, so so that was rough. I was at a place where I wasn't in, I just wasn't fulfilled in what I was doing. I I still wanted to reach people, but I, I just didn't enjoy my role. And then I went through a season where I had to fire one of my best friends who had an affair with someone in the church. And then uh, kind of had to work through you know, that. And then I, I, after that, I, I got cancer. Malignant melanoma, stage three, and I only had a 20% chance to live past five years. I had two surgeries and I went through treatment. And the treatment was a drug called interferon that really messed with my mind, took it for six months and ended up having severe depression and anxiety and insomnia, didn't sleep for two weeks straight, lost 25 pounds. I just was it really, really had a big effect on me. And so I ended up having to step away from the church. I merged it with another church um, in the area, iTown, and I just had to step away. My call to reach the northeast side of Indianapolis, I felt like I failed God and the people. So not only did I have a lot of loss in my life, then I was dealing with the mental imbalance from medication, and I just was not myself for over a year, about a year and a half, struggled through the depression. I was afraid. I shrunk back. I wasn't sure who I was, if I wasn't a pastor. I was worried about what people thought. I didn't have any confidence. So I... I saw a psychologist. I actually had to get checked in uh, to an outpatient because uh, I became suicidal at one point with the medication. And saw a psychologist and got on some uh, antidepressant medication and uh, and some other medication. And it, it took well over a year to get back to myself. And I, I learned a lot about how the mind works. And I worked really hard to rebuild the way I thought because here's what I've learned: because our thoughts create our feelings. Our feelings determine our actions, which produce our results. What I learned was that no outside force determines our results. Even though we blame everything else, it's an internal job. It's a heart thing. What is going on in your mind and your heart Shapes your life because you create a narrative, a story, a viewpoint of how you interpret your situations. Your perception becomes your reality. So be careful what you perceive above all else. Guard your heart. If you can't answer why I do what I do, then you have a heart problem. If I worry about everything, that's a heart problem. If I can't say no, that's a heart problem. If I blame other people and life for my actions, that's a heart problem. Above all else, nothing is more important than taking care of your heart. In fact, Jesus said we're supposed to love others the way we love ourselves. If you don't love yourself well, you can't love others well. If you don't believe in yourself, you can't believe in others. If you don't trust yourself, you can't trust others. If you can't take care of yourself, you can't guide others. The hardest person to lead is yourself above all else. Are you getting a picture of what it means to understand the command above all else? Make it the top priority. The second command that's given in this wise saying is guard your heart. Well, what do you guard? Well, think about it. We guard things of value that can be hurt or taken from us. And I want to just share a, a truth and a reality with you that most people don't like to hear. You have an enemy that is prowling around trying to steal kill and destroy your life. You really do. And so you must protect yourself. Now, nobody likes thinking about that. That doesn't sound nice. Most people um, don't want to talk about having a spiritual enemy. We want to talk about spirituality like it's all good and it's all about heaven yet deep down we know that there's a battle between good and bad in our world and that it's real and that it's deeply spiritual every single story every movie plays out with this truth the struggle against good and bad so to deny the reality that there is an enemy there's a force of evil that is actively working to take me out is to be ignorant and to ask for trouble There's no quicker way for your heart to get off than to deny that it takes work to stay healthy. If you can't say why, you say no, you won't be able to say no. If you are not intentionally limiting what goes in your mind or life, then you're asking to get hurt. If you don't know what you believe, then you will just go back and forth based on what seems to feel right, putting your heart in a position to be taken advantage of. How do you process experiences? What is your guide? How do you evaluate right and wrong? How do you know if something is good for your heart or not? Do you have principles, standards that protect your heart? What do you submit to? Those are a lot of questions that we have to be able to answer if we're going to protect our heart. Did you know that the very first command God gave was to love him above all else (laughs) why why did he command that first what's so bad about loving other things well nothing as long as they are in their right place if you're a parent you've seen your kids give their heart to someone who you knew would not protect it you knew what was coming on the back end of their heart as a parent You've seen your kids chase after trying to please other people, a group of friends, knowing that it won't end well for their heart. We've all seen people chase after success or money or influence, and we know it won't satisfy. Now, there's nothing wrong with giving your heart to someone or having friends or working to achieve success or grow wealth. But those things won't satisfy your heart. You were created for a deeper purpose. Until you get to know your creator, your heart will always be missing something. Our hearts long for what is eternal, not temporary. We want things to last. We want things to be good and just and right. Where does that desire come from? And how do we know what is good and just and right? How do we find meaning for our lives? Well, when you are using something or someone that has been created, it's best to read the instruction manual on something that's been created by someone to know what its purpose is so we can know how to manage it well, use it well. The same is true with our heart. How can we know how to guard our hearts, live with true purpose, if we don't get to know our creator? He wants to guide us. He wants to love us. He wants to help us. He's given us an instruction manual in his word, the Bible. And if I think I've got it, then he'll let you try it on your own. Then we get hurt and we're confused. We end up getting mad and we blame God. (laughs) How can we blame God when we don't even know him? or let alone follow him. We question if God is loving, yet he cared so much about us that he sent his only son to earth, Jesus Christ, and he lived a perfect life. And then he died for you and my sins and was raised to life so that we could overcome evil, sin, brokenness in our life, and we could be made right with God by what he did for us, in spite of the fact that we ignore God most of the time and do what we want. That's pretty amazing. People often think that God is a killjoy and just wants us to not get to do what we want. Yet we make our own choices and end up with a lot of hurt and confusion. Then we blame him for what we chose and what we did. (laughs) How does that make sense? What if we reversed our approach and we admitted our own faults, our own sins, our own lack, and acknowledged that we need God's guidance and actually turned away from our self-reliant, selfish attitude and turned towards God's ways and chose to listen and obey him? What do you think God would do? Well, let me ask you, what would any parent do if their child admitted their mistakes and asked for support? They would give love and guidance and protection and blessing. But here's the problem. We want love and protection without guidance. Let me do it on my own. And it doesn't work that way. If we want the benefits of all the good blessings, it has to come with loyalty. We want the protection, guard my heart, protect my life, without submitting to God's ways. We want God to love us, but we don't want to commit to love him, obey him. Because love is a choice of just doing the right thing, obedience. Love isn't just a feeling or an emotion. Those come from our actions. So no wonder our hearts end up drifting and wondering and are confused and empty. To guard your heart, you have to start by loving the right things first. And that's our creator. Loving his ways. Believing that he loves you and he has what's best in mind for you. Trusting him. Guarding your heart starts with surrendering to the right person. The one who died for you, Jesus Christ. And you can do that today, right now. Guarding your heart starts with obeying what God says to do and not do because he has your best interest in mind and wants to protect your heart. If you don't believe that, then you don't know God. What parent wants to hurt, control, and limit their child? Bad parents. There are some of them, but most parents. Are good parents that want to protect and guide and empower their children to become their best. Where do you think we got that desire from as parents? (laughs) From our creator, our heavenly father. So if you want to guard your heart, start by loving God first. Surrender to Christ as your savior and your Lord, your leader. Jesus said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. That's found in Matthew 10, 39. The key to protecting your heart is giving it to the right person who made you and knows you and loves you. You know, I'm an athlete and I coach football. And in football, there's offense and defense. And for offense, the goal is to score, to achieve, to take advantage, to produce. I love offense. I'm an offensive coordinator at heart and I love to achieve things and and move things forward in life. The other side of football is defense. And defense's job is to stop progress, to limit things and to slow things down. If you chase success, which is nothing wrong with chasing your best. If you chase success, who God made you to be, to develop to your full potential, you will get lost in it if you don't prioritize And if you don't have some defense for your heart. I've talked to many guys who just chased after wanting to be loved and accepted. And so they tried to find it in their work and they ended up having affairs with another woman. They never intended to, but they just didn't prioritize their wife. And they didn't know how they got there. But if you were to sit and listen to them talk about what they did, it's pretty easy to hear that they didn't guard their heart. It's easy to see that it was going to head there. Steps to protect their heart were violated. Guarding your heart is having a defensive posture to protect from evil. That's why God says, don't do this, don't do that. Do this instead. Sometimes that's hard, sometimes that's challenging, but that's how you protect your heart. The best way to avoid bad is to love what is good, to choose what is right, even if it's hard and you don't feel like it at times. So if you wanna guard your heart, love the Lord your God first above all else. (laughs) So those those are the two commands that are given in this wise saying in our life as we chase after who we're supposed to be and and relationships and and we try to make sense of this world and our success above all else first priority guard your heart make sure you give your heart to your creator first so he can guide you and you can protect your heart and then it says the reason you do this is because everything you do flows from your heart. Now, this is not a command like the other two. This is actually just a truth that you need to understand. What you are feeling or thinking is an indicator or a gauge. When I went through my depression, I saw a counselor, and the counselor told me, he said, you know, uh, Fred, most people are fat with the way they think or spiritually-minded, they're FAT. And he used FAT as an acronym, F-A-T. They feel something, they act on that feeling, and then later they think about it and say, why on earth did I do that? (laughs) And he said, in order to guide your heart right and your mind, you have to reverse that, and you need to choose to think about the truth. Then take positive action forward based on the truth And submit your feelings to the truth. You might not feel that right away, but if you'll submit it to it, eventually the feelings will follow. So don't let your feelings dictate your actions. Think about what's true and right, and then act on that. And I have put that into practice over the last um, 12 years of my life since my cancer. And it has rebuilt my thinking process and rebuilt my mind, and there are times I can remember when I would be speaking the truth to myself, and I didn't feel it or believe it, but I kept speaking it because I knew that faith comes from hearing. You got to get it out of your head, quit just mulling it around in your head, get it out, and 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 have accountability to take action in the right direction. Did you know that ninety five per cent of your life is run by your subconscious mind? Think about it, friends, that's really scary, and let me prove it to you real quick. We've been on this podcast for 23 minutes and you haven't thought one time about breathing. You're thinking about it now, but you didn't think about it one time. And guess what? In about five seconds, you'll quit thinking about breathing and you won't miss a beat because your brain and your body and mind automatically know how to do it. When you walk, you don't think about how do I walk? You don't think about should I put the next foot forward and how am I balancing myself? You've already figured that out. You have developed the pattern and now it is subconscious and you're able to do it without having to think about it. Most of what we say and do is reactionary. Our brain is designed like a computer. Actually, computers were made to mimic the brain. I used to teach computer programming and um, uh, STEM, uh, science, technology, engineering, math. And our brain is wired in in the same way that a computer. We designed computers to mimic our brain. So we have long-term memory, programs that are written that control our thoughts and feelings, and in turn, our actions produce uh, results from from those, um, uh, those things. And so in a computer, we have ROM memory and RAM memory. ROM is read-only memory. It's a code that's written, that spits out. It's a program. We can only do what is programmed. So if you have Word or spreadsheet on your computer, you can only do what it's capable of doing. No matter how much you wish it could do something different, it can't. It only spits out what it is programmed to do. If you want to create videos, you have to download a new program that has a code written to do that. Our brain functions the same way. We have read-only memory code that is written in our brain that is long-term memory that's unconscious. Then we have... uh, RAM memory, random access memory on a computer in our brain. And this needs electricity uh, transistors to be on, or we lose what's running when the computer is turned off. Our brain has the same function. We have ROM and experiences, um, and RAM experiences. So our ROM experiences, read only, that are written code. Our experiences that we've experienced in life, usually when we're younger, that have shaped us, that we have deep feelings about and emotions, and actually there are smells and sights and sounds that remind us of it, and we don't even realize that. Uh, Some of them are hurts. Some of them are joys. Some of them are fears. Some of them are blessings. Some of them we felt safe. Some of them we felt unsafe. And there are special dates that we can recall. So, those are all programs that are written, and we don't even realize that it is running our life. But the outcome shows us. And then we have RAM, short term things that uh, we're learning right now. Like right now, you're learning some things from me. You're listening to this, but you're going to forget most of this once you move on to the next thing or you sleep. There's a Swiss psychologist, Carl Jung, that said, until you make the unconscious, Conscious, until you make what you don't realize that's happening, that 95% that control, you you know, that that you don't even realize, the unconscious, until you're aware of it, until you make it conscious, it will control your life and you will call it fate. That's why we can say, I don't know why I did what I did. We really don't know (laughs) because we haven't looked at what's going on subconsciously in our thoughts. That's why you can say, I didn't mean to say that. That's why we say, I'm sorry. Well, what are we sorry for? That we got caught? (laughs) We don't know what we're sorry for because we keep repeating the same mistakes. Most psychologists and scientists believe that our unconscious mind, our long-term programs, are formed or written by the age of eight years old at the latest, sometimes way earlier. The rest of our life is just living out or repeating the program. So whatever your family and your community shaped in you, some good, some bad, That's your program. Now, this is not a place to blame your parents. It's not your parents' fault. They had a program too. You need to become aware of what was put in you. Keep the best. Trash the worst. Figure out what programs you need to delete and what programs you want to install. We deceive ourselves into thinking that we believe what we say we believe, but our actions show the truth of our heart or program. If we can't honestly evaluate our actions, we can't change our attitude or behaviors or program. See, experience is not the best teacher. Evaluated experience is. Or we repeat the same mistakes over and over again. That's why God says in the book of Romans, chapter 12, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, God forgives us for our mistakes. But that doesn't mean that he approves of our behaviors. Learn to create a program where you obey and you submit every time because you know that God is good and that his ways are best. Whether you feel it or not doesn't matter. Just do what God says is right. When it comes to success financially and relationally, with influence and power, it's easy to get off. So there are teachings that Jesus gave us to protect our heart from getting too attached to possessions or people or wealth. If we put them in place ahead of time and practice them daily, then God will use our wealth and position and influence for good. And he will actually grow it larger and we will be able to enjoy the blessing instead of living for them. There's nothing bad about money. There's nothing bad about power. There's nothing bad about influence. There's nothing bad about success. They are neutral. How you use them determines if they become bad or good. They are simply tools to be used. Our heart is what determines how we view and use those things. Money and fame does not change people. and I know people say that all the time, but it's not true. Money and fame just amplifies who you already are. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, whoever is faithful with a little bit will be faithful with a lot. Whoever is not faithful with a little bit will not be faithful with a lot. So those that chase after money and power are motivated to live for the wrong thing. Just because you have money and power and you are driven To achieve and be successful in your life does not mean that you are chasing money and power. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be your best and wanting to produce and be successful in your life and to use your influence well to develop it and grow it and your money. There's nothing wrong with that. If you pause long enough to listen to how people talk, you will notice that most people think that money and power are bad and that the people that have it are off. I pay attention to how often others critique people that they don't even know and assign motive to them. The reason that people claim this is to make themselves feel better by putting other people down. But what I find interesting is that the people who say wealthy and influential people are off seem to be the ones who are always thinking about and talking about wanting more money and influence. (laughs) They complain about not having it. So whose heart is tied to it? What does that say about my heart? Maybe I want it more than you realize. Most people that have money and influence are busy trying to manage it well and make a positive difference in this world now there are people that misuse it but there are a lot of people that are striving to do the right thing with what they've been given and they're just blessed with it and i i talk about the 2x principle and that's a principle where god teaches that those that are blessed and manage things well will be blessed with even more Friends, everything that you say and do flows from your heart. So above all else, this is not a suggestion. Prioritize your heart first. Don't give it to the wrong things. Guard it with your life because it's the only one you get. Surrender to your creator and trust him to guide you by his word. If you will do those two things, then the natural flow of your life and actions will be very good. You will produce a life of meaning and purpose and success that will last beyond this life. Jesus was once asked, what is the most important command of the Ten Commandments? And he said, the first and most important is love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. Don't worship what we make. Worship your creator. Don't worship success. Don't worship achievements, possessions, people's approving of you. Don't worship those things. Worship God. And actually what you'll find is all of those other things will come to you because you don't need them and you can manage them better. So above all else, Love the Lord your God first. And then second, he said, the second most important command is to love other people the way you love yourself. You can't love others well if you don't love yourself. You've got to take care of your heart. And then the natural outflow of what happens is the rest of the Ten Commandments flow from those two. Love God and love others the way you love yourself. So think about some of the other commandments are uh, take a Sabbath day. Of rest, that's trusting God. <laughs> if you love God, you'll trust Him. That He's the provider. He's the one. You'll, you'll you'll take a day to thank Him and and reflect and realize it's not all about you. How you treat people will flow from those two things. The other ten commandments will take care of themselves. Honor your parents. You'll be respectful of those that have built into you. And if you honor them, you'll be blessed. If you don't, there's a curse. The other Commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't be a false witness. Don't covet. All those things are a natural flow. You won't do those things. you'll, You'll do the right thing because you have, above all else, guarded your heart. You've put your heart at the right place. You love your creator more than the creation, and you obey his word. What he says is best to guard your heart. That's what you do when your heart is in a good place. So friends, I hope today has inspired you to live out the truth and become all that God made you to be. Apply the protection principle. Above all else, guard your heart because all of your life flows from it. Success flows out of a principled heart that loves the Lord. If today has Uh, connected with you, then I want to ask you just to do a couple things. If you could just follow me on Spotify and you could follow my YouTube channel, just click the follow me and and you can rate this podcast. Uh, That helps get more exposure. And then if you just share this link to influence your world in a positive way, remember, my name's Fred and I'm your friend.